apparently our federal judges know a lot more about our national security than our commander-in-chief because last night a federal judge, appointed by President Barack Obama, I might add, put a temporary restraining order on President Trump's asylum proclamation. You might remember that proclamation would only allow asylum seekers to be able to claim asylum by entering our country through, gee, novel idea, our ports of entry, rather than being able to claim asylum by just putting a little tippy-toe on U.S. soil anywhere along our porous borders. I don't know about you, but this does not make any sense to me. Literally, anybody can show up, touch our soil, and we have a chance to grant them asylum. In other words, catch and release. Catch and release. That translates into, can you say, build the wall, build the wall. Because here's the thing, if we had a wall right now, then we would not be dealing with these ridiculously weak immigration and asylum laws that would even be allowing this thing called catch and release just because somebody touches our soil. So bottom line is, why does this matter to your safety and security? Because we're all told this caravan is just these cute little families with, you know, women and kids and puppies and kittens and rainbows. They want to come to America and claim asylum. That was until one of the immigrants in the caravan actually did a live interview and said this. My country, Honduras, got a lot of trouble. Can you ask him exactly what happened? Um, ¿cuál, ¿Cuál es tu felonía exactamente? Number three. Number three. A third degree uh, felony? Attempt of murder. You know, puppies, kittens, rain. Oh, and third degree attempted murder. We might as well throw that one in there as well. Also, I want to remind you, the Border Patrol Union chief recently told the story about a man that was crossing the border again with his and I, I'm assuming this is true, cute little eight-year-old daughter. The thing was they got caught when they hit the border at the Rio Grande uh, River near that area. They got detained. They go check his records, come to find out this guy, he'd already been in the United States illegally, and this is an important note here, was convicted, convicted of rape. So, so much for this whole puppies, kittens, and rainbows, you know, story that we've been told. So a federal judge says, well, what about your family safety and security? Even after, here's the shocking thing, even after the Department of Homeland Security now has undercover law enforcement <clears throat> inside this caravan coming up to our U.S. border, and they are saying, if we can bring this graphic up, please, that there's roughly 500, 500 criminals in this caravan, and those are the ones that they've just counted according to the Department of Homeland Security. Still, though... Still, this Obama-appointed judge is not going to give deference to our commander-in-chief when it comes to national security. Folks, to me, and this is my opinion, we're going to hear more from an immigration attorney in a moment, but to me, this is what you call a judicial dictatorship. We are supposed to be living in a constitutional republic, not a judicial dictatorship. And here's what I mean specifically from the legal standpoint that we want to talk about tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me, when the Supreme Court ruled on President Trump's travel ban, that was the immigration executive order. Here's what some of the Supreme Court justices had to say, specifically Justice Roberts, in his opinion. He said, hey, look, this provision here, it empowers the president to suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens if he finds that entry would be detrimental to the interest of the United States. The court goes on to explain that this language includes, or excuse me, exudes, <clears throat> exudes deference to the president's, a deference that's heightened by the foreign policy and national security context. It's just that national security thing, yeah, you know, maybe be, a, but apparently, you know, we've got a judge now that knows a lot more about national security than our commander in chief. So I just gave you a couple of national security examples as to why this makes a difference that we actually know of up to this point. And yet, 
I want to share with you what this judge wrote in some of his decision when it came to this asylum proclamation. He went on to say this, look, basically the president cannot rewrite the statute. He talked about the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965, and it states this specifically, which he's got a valid point here. Any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, whether or not, whether or not at a designated port of arrival, meaning port of entry, irrespective of such alien status, may apply for asylum in accordance with this section or where applicable in section 235. So here's my question we want to look at. Does the Supreme Court have precedence, excuse me, precedence when it comes to giving our commander-in-chief deference to national security. Does that decision they made earlier have precedence over what this judge is saying now about this asylum proclamation? I mean, you got to be honest. We've got, obviously, military right now deplored, deployed down at our border to better handle the situation that is currently taking place. So here's what I think we got to do. Why would any country in their right mind say to somebody, hey, just touch our soil, just simply touch our soil, and yes, we're going to give you asylum, and then on top of it, we're going to give you catch and release, catch and release. Whoever dreamed of that idea tactic? Oh, and then by the way, we're going to give you a court date for an asylum hearing, and yeah, you know what, if you show up, great. If you don't, well, we'll figure it out later. Does that make any sense whatsoever? In my opinion, it's time to create an ordered process for these asylum seekers. And most importantly, most importantly, folks, it's time to build a big, beautiful wall with a big, beautiful door. And that's tonight's point of view. Now, join us now in studio to give us more insight into this judge's decision. Obviously, what's next at our borders is the one and only immigration attorney, Mr. David Chaplin. Counselor, great to have you back here. Thank you. I know you're going to shoot some holes in my point of view tonight, but what am I getting wrong here? Well, uh, I'm going to just proceed right down the road where I make it so that nobody likes me and nobody agrees with me. Uh, this judge got it right. Um, this is a straightforward analysis of a statute and its text and its plain meaning. And from a policy standpoint, I absolutely agree with you. And I absolutely agree with the president. What he's trying to do is take away the carrot that is hung out there for people that you have a chance at lawful permanent residence if you're claiming asylum in the United States because it's the first step to that and then to citizenship. And he's trying to take that away. Unfortunately, what the government did was it did exactly what Republicans criticized President Obama for doing, which is I'm going to go completely outside the powers <clears throat> of Congress, I'm going to write the law, and I'm going to stop this from happening. And what Congress did was it said that when it comes to asylum, people who apply, regardless of whether they've arrived at a port of entry or anywhere else, they can apply for asylum. And the government tried to argue that applying for asylum and being granted asylum are two different things. And the judge said, no, the plain meaning of the law says that Congress has taken away from the president the power to regulate in that area, and it completely you know, fractures credibility to say that you can apply for something, but you just can't get it. You can't be granted it. That sounds ridiculous. It's absurd. And well, wait it, a second. I mean, I can apply for a passport, but I may not get it. I can apply for a deer license, but I might not get it. Right, exactly. But that's as a matter of discretion. This is the president saying categorically, <clears throat> if you haven't arrived at a port of entry, you are prohibited from getting asylum if you apply for it. It's not a situation where it's an individual analysis of the person and the merits of their case, because asylum is discretionary. 
and the Attorney General okay. can grant it or not grant it based on discretion. So is there a possibility, could, if the president wanted to, could he go, okay, judge, you want to play this game? Then anyone that we find outside a port of entry, we just won't grant them asylum, but we'll still say that, hey, look, we're going to take you in. We'll take you through the process, but we're not going to grant it to you. The United States has a responsibility <laughs> to assess asylum claims. Uh, we're parties to the refugee uh, convention. And as a result, part of our international law and part of our national law is that we grant asylum to people who are legitimately uh, fearful. The proper avenue to go is through Congress, and of course we know that's not going to go very far uh, through the House or anywhere but else. But I also want to get to this. One of the things that I struggle with today, and I had a conversation with some people about this, is that the, the Supreme Court made it clear that, hey, the president, you got to give deference to his power, especially when it comes to national security. We see 10,000 or 5,000, whatever it is, people coming towards our border. <clears throat> One guy saying, yeah, I want to come there because I want to get pardoned for my third degree uh, you know, murder charge. Um, to me, that, that seemed like a national security issue. The Supreme Court ruled that the president has that ability to stop any alien, any class of alien from coming into our borders, but now you're saying the Supreme Court's wrong. When it comes to asylum cases, what the Supreme Court said, and we're talking about the executive orders decision that the Supreme Court came <clears throat> down with just last summer, uh, the Supreme Court said that there is deference to the president under 1182F, which is the ability to determine who comes into the country or who does not, based on whole classes of people. Now that deference or that uh, delegation of power to the president does not include areas where Congress has expressly spoken. And a textualist and whether you're, I, I mean, my, my view was the Supreme Court was absolutely right in what it decided on the executive orders based on the text of the law, but it cuts both ways. And when you find a section of the law where Congress <clears throat> has been absolutely clear in what it said, you've got to conclude that 1182, 1182F did not include delegation of power to rewrite a congressional statute, and that's essentially what they were arguing here. So two more things I want to get to, because many people then would say, well, okay, this, this Obama-appointed judge is saying that President Trump can't rewrite the statute or the law, and yet Barack Obama, many would say, rewrote it with DACA. Yes. Am I wrong, or...? No, you're, you're absolutely but right. But then why is DACA of, staying? Uh, well, when it comes down to it, this judge's decision is a judicial decision. And as Justice Scalia said, you know, members of Congress, you guys can vote your conscience. We don't have that uh, luxury on the Supreme Court. We have to decide cases based on the law. Now, this judge used a textualist approach uh, to this decision. He also looked at what's called Chevron analysis for administrative uh, interpretation of federal law. And he said, even Chevron, I can't grant you any deference for your administrative rule that you put forward because I don't get to what's called step two of Chevron, which is, are you being reasonable? Because Congress expressly spoke and spoke contrary to what you're putting in place. So many people are suggesting that even the, the gentleman who's the Border Patrol chief of the union there said, hey, this is just a speed bump, this judge's decision. I don't think you see it the same way, number one. And number two, then where does it, does it go to the Supreme Court? Then what happens? I think they have to change the congressional statute in order for this proclamation to be the way it is. So you think SCOTUS is going to have the same decision? I think SCOTUS will come down with the same decision, especially the way it is put together now uh, with Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch. Does it make any sense to you that someone can go, ooh, I touched your soil, I want to claim asylum? From a policy standpoint, no. And from a policy standpoint, I see exactly what the president's doing, and I agree with it. But from a legal analysis wow. standpoint, 
the judge is right. One other question, because you're in this business, you hear a lot about, you know, I was kind of making fun of it because Trump does the old catch and release, catch and release. Yeah. So we catch someone who comes in to claim asylum. We go, hey, you know what? We're going to see you as an asylee. We're going to set your court date for, what is it, 12, 18 months from now, typically. Mm -hmm. What percentage of those people actually show up for those court dates? Uh, it depends. I mean, I've seen all sorts of numbers. There's uh, So there's not even an accurate assessment on it? Uh, well... I don't know how accurate it is, but I've just seen different numbers. There's a high percentage who just don't show up. And there's a high percentage that make asylum claims. And the federal government's been inundated with asylum claims since the Obama administration said, hey, you know, just claim asylum and you'll get to stay and we'll assess things, we'll release you. Uh, once all those very, Florida. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once all those permissive er, approaches went into place, the asylum claims went way up, and a lot of them are frivolous. They get denied. Great, great stuff, as always.